0: Taking supernatural authority over supernatural resources. In Psalm 78 verse 18, they willfully, speaking of Israel in the wilderness, put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. Watch this closely. They spoke against God. How do you speak against God? Can God really spread a table in the wilderness, they ask. Then they said, true, he struck the rock and water gushed out and streams flowed abundantly, but can he also give us bread? Wow. The desert they were in was the Saudi Arabian Desert, Sinai Peninsula area They had crossed the Red Sea. That is considered to be one of the most harsh and hospitable terrains on the face of the planet where it averages one-tenth of an inch of rain every ten years. Two and a half to three and a half million people were supernaturally sustained in that wilderness with food and water. And in the middle of their desert, now let me get real, in the middle of their recession, they said, can God take care of me? And God got upset and said that you have spoken against me. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Let me tell you what not to say when you're in the wilderness. Don't say, can God get me out of this? If you lose your job, don't say, can God fix this? God got mad because they put that little three-letter word, C-A-N, can, in front of God. You don't put can in front of God. You put God in front of can. Instead of can God, God can. That's the way that goes. They did not believe in God or trust in His deliverance, yet He gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens, and He rained down manna for His people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them, say it with me, all the food they could eat. Psalms 37, 18 The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty, but the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed, they will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. I need somebody to say, I will not fall. For the Lord upholds me with his hand. Mm. I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Before I even get started, I need somebody to turn to their neighbor and say, I'm going to be so blessed, I'm going to lend to people. Would you do that? Now let me tell you who to lend to. Can I have a little fun with you? You lend to people you don't want to see anymore. Because when you do, they don't come back around. Tell somebody, I'm going to lend. Would you do that? And not borrow. And tell somebody, my children are even going to be more blessed than I am. Amen. Amen. I have to deal today with this subject, and it is very easy to tilt it one way or the other and lose balance in perspective. I am outraged at this reality show that's going to kick off in the fall. Outraged, Literally. I spend my life trying to, to reach people around the world. And for somebody to be going around in churches and raising money, not for the kingdom of God, but just so they can put on their swag, that doesn't sit real well with me. Mm-mm. To use the church as a way to get money, uh, that's not good. And someday they will have to stand before God. And if I were to call the names of some of these people, and I'm that far from doing it because they don't mind putting their name out there, you would recognize a number of those names. One of them has had a baby... And is not married. Another divorced his wife. Is living with a lady. Had a baby with her. And they even filmed her asking him, can we get married? And he still don't want to get married. I'm talking about pastors of megachurches. Another, when his he left his wife on a Sunday... Took up with his secretary, was still in the pulpit, continues to be the next Sunday throughout, never missed a Sunday. Now when they bring his new wife in, they carry her in in a chair. Like she's some potentate in India. You know, carried in. I'm serious. These are pastors and their family. There's always somebody out to get your money. You hear about the evangelist who sent a letter out, an email, his mailing list. It goes like this. Money can buy you a house, but not a home. Money can buy you a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy you a clock, but not time. Money can buy you a book, but not knowledge. Money can buy you medicine, but not health. Money can buy you sex, but not love. So you see, he said, money isn't everything. And it often causes pain and suffering. I tell you all of this because I am your friend. And as your friend, I want to take away your pain and suffering. (laughs) So send me all of your money and I will suffer for you. in the middle of this kind of a context with stupidity stupidity like this going on, I still have to stand up and preach the Scripture. And I want to tell you that in the middle of all of this, God still does want to bless His people. Amen. Amen. With some saying that you're a child of God and you're supposed to be blessed and you can live like I am. And they even said if Jay-Z can do this, why not me? I'm a child of God. Difference is Jay-Z's raising money for himself. We as pastors are supposed to raise money to build the kingdom of God. You're supposed to learn that in Preaching 101. Amen. Some of these guys have forgotten it. And some of these guys are incredible speakers. Like I said, if I were to call their names, you would, many of you would recognize some of them. So they're flaunting their lost lifestyles, and this is about to hit. will hit in just a little, what, less than two months or roughly two months away. And I have to still stand up here and declare to you, knowing that there's getting ready to be a tremendous backlash. Can you imagine the humiliation that's going to bring the church in America? The shame, it's going, the embarrassment. I read on the internet where people have already started responding saying it make, it's making me ashamed to be a Christian. That's building the kingdom. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's pure old fashioned greed. That's what that is. And this egocentric message that I get in the church so that I can live large. Not think about anybody else is not the Christian message. However, when you get in the church, God does begin to elevate you. And it is His will that your life be blessed. And not just be blessed, but blessed supernaturally. Amen. And so somehow I've got to reach out to embrace two different theologies and find truth in the middle between these. And try to define what is real. Therein lies my dilemma as well as my assignment. Because I know that we have a tendency to be polarized in our thinking. So, on this Sunday when I'm talking to you, and I'll have to do this again next week. I can't finish it just today. As I'm speaking to you about taking supernatural authority over supernatural resources. I don't want you to think I'm condoning or agreeing with the stupidity that you're getting ready to see come on your television screens. I'm adamantly opposed to that. You should know up front that I receive a salary, that many of you receive salaries that are larger than mine by far, and I'm content with where I'm at. I wanted more, I'd go before the finance committee and I'd say, Guys, I need a little more money. That's what I do. But I'm happy. You know why I'm happy? Because I found a treasure that's greater than anything this world has to offer. Amen. And not only that, I am having the time of my life doing what I'm doing. I'm serious. If you had not figured it out, I'm having fun. Amen. I've often said if you knew how much fun I was having, you would charge me to be your pastor. Amen. (laughs) I'm serious. I love what I do. I hear people talking about I'm burned out and i like, what planet are you on? You so far out there, I need binoculars to find you because I can't relate. Burned out? I'm excited. I love being in the ministry and serving and working here at this church and doing what God has called me to do. And plus, I've had an encounter with God that has taught me this stuff we call the wealth of this world. That's nothing once you've met Him. Amen. Amen. Having said that, I still have a responsibility as the pastor and the father in this house to tell you that it is God's will to elevate your life my responsibility is to help you move into your destiny. Amen. Amen. As I said, when you come into the church, though your heart gets changed, your mind does not. You carry the same negative thoughts, the same evil programming, and I use the word evil after having considered the use of that word, and I'm still using it deliberately because we carry the same evil thinking in that has been programmed into us by the evil one who wants to rob us of our destiny. And the Word of God actively works to try to pump that stuff out, you know, and replace it with heaven's thoughts and heaven's principles that when embraced and applied becomes keys to unlocking our future and His will for our lives. As a pastor... I've got to, on one hand, renounce these excesses that go under the name of Christianity. On the other hand, I've got to tell you, don't let that stop you from believing that you were meant to prosper. Come on, somebody in the building, say amen. And I want to say it again. We have... What I'm preaching today should not make anyone who is blessed feel bad. To the contrary, you ought to be thanking God for your blessing. Amen. Amen. I'm kind of like Moses about this whole prophetic thing. When he prayed for God to, to help him, it was burdened down, and he shared a portion of his anointing upon 70 elders. There were a couple of them out in the camp, and people ran to him and said, Man, Spirit of God's come upon a couple of these guys out in the county, not just the these sixty-eight that are here, and Moses. And then people were upset. They thought they were acting out of order. And Moses said, "This would to God all the Lord's people were prophets." That's kind of how I feel about it. Seeing you blessed, I wish to God every one of you in this building would be blessed beyond your wildest imagination and dreams. And I'm going to tell you something else. I believe it's God's will to do that. Amen. Amen. So I want you to hear what I have to say. Jesus always demonstrated incredible and supernatural authority over resources that in turn were supernatural. Abraham and his descendants were given supernatural authority over supernatural resources. When you study the history of Abraham, you will find that he worked in a simple little shop as a young man owned by his father. The family business, no telling how many generations it went back, and they made and sold idols until he had an encounter with Jehovah God. He was not known for having any abundance or wealth. He was a nobody, an average Joe. But when God connected with him because God had an assignment for his life, and here's an important truth you need to know, God always releases the resources necessary to fulfill the assignment for your life. When God connected with Abraham, resources were released into his life. And they continued to be released to his descendants and to his, 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 his children and grandchildren. They were not the only ones in the scripture to experience supernatural authority over supernatural resources. Look at the prophet Elijah who instructed the little widow in a time of famine who had only a little bit of oil left in the flask or the bowl or jar and a little bit of meal left in the barrel. He instructed her, make that cake for me. He sounds like one of these L.A. pastors, amen? (laughs) And I think CNN probably would have been there and asked him, would you like a reality show too? Or somebody would have. Amen. Truth of the matter was, however, that he knew that this was getting ready to open something up to her. And this is where I have a problem with what some spiritual leaders do. They say, you give it to me and God will bless you. That was not the issue. The issue in this case was God sent Elijah to this widow because she had no one else to take care of her and her son. And when she sustained the prophet, he became the key to unlocking abundance in her life. And for three years, that barrel of oil never ran out and that cruise of oil never diminished. Amen. That bottle of oil never went dry. Amen. It wasn't about bless the prophet. It was the prophet was sent to bless her. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Her act of generosity and obedience brought her to a level of supernatural authority over supernatural resources that none of the others in Israel experienced. Obed-Edom and his family were given supernatural authority over supernatural resources. When the Ark of the Covenant, which is the type of the presence of God, it is the shadow in the Old Testament of the New Testament experience of Christ indwelling, Within you, when this manifested place where God put his presence upon this ark, when that object was brought into Obed-Edom's home, everything in his house was blessed supernaturally. Amen. I contend that when Christ comes into our lives, everything in this house is supposed to be blessed supernaturally. Amen. Amen. Solomon was given supernatural resource, or supernatural authority over supernatural resources and his government brought great prosperity to Israel. Esther was given supernatural res- authority over supernatural resources to elevate her people, the Hebrews, while in the pagan capital of Babylon. And I want to tell you, in the middle of a pagan world, we're in the world, we're not of the world, but God still knows how to bless his people when we're in the middle of captivity. I need an amen right now. You hear what I'm saying? This is in your Bible. Ezra and Nehemiah were given supernatural authority over supernatural resources to rebuild Jerusalem and its walls. God even made a pagan king, not just once but several of them, pick up their checkbook and write checks to fund the building of God's house and God's city, amen. It's one thing for one of our people to get blessed and support the church, but it's another thing for somebody who doesn't even know God to say, I feel it on my heart to write this check for $50 million to build churches in India and Asia and different places around the world. Amen. But that's, in essence, what happened here. I would contend that just as in all these stories, along with many others in the Old Testament, that whenever people connected with God, he gave them and elevated them to a place that they experienced supernatural authority in their circumstance. And that authority always released supernatural resources. Without exception, you will find supernatural resources were the inevitable consequence of connecting with God. Whether it's a supernatural resource of strength, whether it's a supernatural ability to fight, and if strength is with Samson, fight is with David and Goliath. One way or another, something supernatural is released in your life when you connect with a supernatural God. And that supernatural resource changes your world. Our text clearly speaks of both supernatural resources and supernatural authority over them. And supernatural resources are those that are clearly of a supernatural nature, just so that I can make the distinction. Let me explain it this way. Ordinary circumstances and ordinary measures taken during ordinary circumstances can... uh, uh, be extrapolated upon to predict a certain outcome that is expected in that situation. Doing certain things is predictably going to produce a certain result. When I speak of supernatural resources, what I'm talking about is doing ordinary things. And instead of ordinary outcomes, suddenly it blows up and goes crazy. You've got to turn to somebody and say, You've got a right to expect a blow up in your life. You've got a right to expect God to blow some stuff up. Amen. Amen. Something's getting ready to get out of control. Something's getting ready to happen in your life. Amen. Doing all of this stuff. Uh uh-uh. uh. You, don't have, you, you can't expect ordinary outcomes, first of all, because think for a minute, he is a supernatural God. Amen. Everything he does then, by definition, has to be supernatural also. Mm, mm, mm. Amen. Oh, Lord, I feel his presence right now. A supernatural person cannot do anything that's natural. By definition, their very existence means every action from that time forward is going to be supernatural in nature because they are supernatural. And when you look at the Bible, tell me that God ever acted like a man. You can't find a place where God ever acted like a man. You just can't do it. You look for it. It's not there. That's because he never was just natural the way you and I are. Amen. Amen. Water flowed out of a rock that followed Israel around for 40 years. That sounds supernatural to me. It's one thing to go to the spring and get some water and go back home, but it's another thing for the spring to follow you wherever you go. That is supernatural. Somebody help me right now. A rock levitated and followed Israel forever. They went here, there, yonder, and it just didn't let go of a little bit of water a drop or two enough to wet your whistle, to use the old expression. Uh Uh-uh. I'm talking about according to the, the writer in Isaiah, rivers flowed in the desert. You hear what I said? not a stream, not a creek. I'm from Louisiana, not even a bayou, amen. But a river flowed in the middle of the desert and the desert blossomed like a rose and God created a veritable garden. in the middle of one of the most inhospitable places on the face of this planet, God doesn't know how to act natural because he is supernatural. And are you ready for this? When God acts supernatural, that is natural for God. Actually, there were two occasions when water came from a rock. The first was as soon as they got out of Egypt. They got in the Jordanian desert, and the water, and they they ran out of water. And God told Moses, Go smite this rock. (laughs) He went and struck it. And then, after that, after they had gotten their fill and their thirst was sated, they went on. And as they journeyed again, they got thirsty once more in this harsh place they were in. And God told Moses, now go speak to this other rock. And Moses got mad because the children of Israel were rebelling rebelling and saying, we'd gone back to Egypt instead of following Moses? Moses got that staff, same one he hit the rock with when they first got out of Egypt. He walked over to this other rock and, and instead of speaking to it, he struck it. And said you rebels and that's what he called Israel and smote the rock struck it and water gushed out. Now God got upset at Moses for doing that. And there's actually a very beautiful picture and typology that is contained here. Because you see according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 that rock was Christ. And the first time he struck the rock speaking of Christ being on the cross being struck for us to restore everything that Adam had lost. This is the second Adam. Mm, I got to preach right now. Mm. And you see, the first Adam was told, because you're under the curse, you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. Amen. It's going to be hard. Am I talking to anybody that's been in a hard place? You know what a rock is? That's a hard place. That's a hard thing. Anybody here ever be in a hard place in your business, a hard place in your finances, a hard place in your marriage? You ever been in a hard place spiritually? Christ was struck the first time, and life-giving water flowed out to sustain man. Second time, this is what you got to see. God said, don't strike the rock, speak to it. Moses actually was forbidden to enter the promised land because he disobeyed God and struck the rock on the second occasion and therefore violated typology in Scripture. And God, who is ultimately consistent in his word from Genesis to Revelation, then is left in with this serious dilemma. According to my plan, Christ was to be struck once. Moses struck the rock twice. Now, I've often believed that maybe Christ has had to then go through additional pain and suffering that never would have happened. That's why it was such a serious transgression for Moses to strike the rock the second time. All right, that's typology. What does it mean, though, in terms of its theological application? It's once Christ is struck, you don't have to strike it again. You speak to your rock and resources are going to to come forth. Lord, Mm. I need somebody to speak to their rock. I need somebody to speak to their hard place and say, Christ has already been struck. I don't have to go through this. I'm speaking to you right now. Resources come out of this circumstance. Come on, somebody give him some praise. feel the Holy Ghost working in this room right now. I don't know who I'm talking to but you need to speak to your rocky place right now. You need to speak to your dry place. You need to speak to your difficult circumstance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just speak to the rock. Tell somebody, just speak to the rock. You don't have to beat it up, just speak to it. You don't have to hit it, just speak to it. You don't have to bang on it, just speak to it. You don't have to beat your head against it, speak to it. You don't got to arm wrestle it, speak to it. He's already been smitten for you. He is restoring what Adam lost. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Somebody needs to stand up and say, I'm speaking to my marriage. I'm speaking to my finances. I'm speaking to my job. I'm speaking to my health. River, come forth. I'm not talking about a drop or two. I mean, river, come forth. My desert is getting ready to blossom like a rose. The Holy Ghost is in this house right now. Somebody's about to have a breakthrough. I feel it in the spirit. There's somebody caught up in your hard place right now. And you're wondering, how do I get out of it? you don't earn it by the sweat anymore. All you got to do is speak to it now. I'm not saying you don't work hard. Yes, you work hard. But what you're getting ready to do is step into a supernatural dimension, a supernatural level. Be seated just a moment. I've got to finish this. There's a certain point I gotta get to today. I can't just leave you, I've gotta get you to a certain place. But as I've pointed out, supernatural authority over supernatural resources is always related to your assignment. Everybody here has an assignment. You were created by God with an assignment. Hear what I'm talking about. God made you and when before you were born, he gave you an assignment, guess what? When he gave you that assignment before you were born, he already released the resources necessary to fulfill that assignment. Do you hear what I'm declaring today? They're already released in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. I need somebody to praise Him. God's not through. I feel something breaking in here right now. There's something shifting in here right now. God is causing water to come out of somebody's rock right now. There's a breakthrough in this house this morning. But allow me to clarify. Be seated for just a moment. This isn't so you can have a reality show and show everybody how preachers on the West Coast put on their swag. That's not what it's about. God blesses you so that you can be the instrument that he uses to fulfill his calling because you were born with an assignment, number one. Number two, he released the resources to fulfill that assignment. Are you ready? Number three, whenever you fulfill that assignment, he gets the glory for it. Hallelujah. You were made to bring glory to God. You were created to bring Him glory. Yes, you were. You were created to bring Him glory. Now, here's where people go astray. They say, God wants me to be blessed because it's all about me. No, it isn't. God wants you to be blessed because it's all about Him. Having said that, does that mean you can't have a nice house? No. Don't misunderstand me. Can't have a nice... No. That's not what that means. What that means is when you get blessed, you're going to move to another level. Yeah. Yeah, you will, but you're going to be a blessing now. Not just not just get blessed, you're going to be a blessing. You see, there's a level above getting blessed and that's when you move from getting blessed to being a blessing. I'm just about done because my time is gone, but not because I want to. Our problem is we end up doing like the lady whose husband died. We want all of this for wow. Yeah. Don't worry about orphans in Africa, churches in India. Don't worry about evangelizing the world. I just got to look good. And that nauseates God. And he said, because you say you're rich and increased with goods. Mm. Oh, let me not even go there in Revelation 3. Amen. But a lady, her husband died. And he didn't have a lot of money. Left $80,000. That's all his estate consisted of. He had $80,000 to his name. And after everything was done at the funeral home in the cemetery, his widow was telling her best friend, you know, there's just no more money left. And she said, but wait a minute, how can that be? You told me he had $80,000 just four days ago. She said, yeah, yeah, that was before the funeral. Well, what would you do with $80,000? She said, well, first of all, the funeral cost me $8,500. And, of course, I had to make the obligatory donation for the church and the organist and all of that. And then that was $1,000. And then I spent another $1,500 for his wake. The food and the drinks, you know, all that stuff, that's $11,000. And the friend said, well, what happened to the other $69,000? And she said, that went for a memorial stone. And her friend said, $69,000 for a memorial stone? And she said, how big was it? And the widow said, about five carats. (laughs) That's not what it's about, honey. God wants to bless you and wants you to be blessed and be at another level so he can make you be a blessing. And before you get upset or jealous at people that you see getting blessed, remember that's probably why they're there. Somebody in the building say amen. Amen. Not so you can have a five-carat memorial stone. James 4 and 3, you ask but do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. God doesn't mind blessing. It's his intention to do so. But when you ask it for you rather than for him to receive the glory, that's where the problem comes in. I conclude by saying, God has the right to bless us supernaturally. If He chooses, it's His prerogative to do so. You know why He has the right? It's because everything you see belongs to Him. If men owned the resources of the world, they would have the right to do with those resources what they wanted to do with them. But they don't own them, and therefore they don't have that right. Remember that as long as you live. Psalms 2, 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Mm. Haggai 2 and 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, why does that bless me? It's because of this. If God says, I'm going to bless you, your boss has no right to say no. If God said, I'm going to give you a raise, the boss cannot turn it down. If God said, I'm going to bless your business, recession or not, your business has no right to be anything other than blessed because it belongs to God. Everything belongs to Him. I'm preaching that you can move out of an ordinary realm into a supernatural realm of authority where you have supernatural authority over supernatural resources. And I'm closing by saying this is where I believe God is wanting you to spend the rest of your life. Stand with me right now. Don't miss next Sunday. I want those who intend to be blessed to come here today. I want to pray for you as a father in this house and pray for the release of supernatural authority over supernatural resources. If God says you're supposed to be blessed, Sickness has no right to call you sick. If God says you are to be blessed, the bank has no right to repossess your house. It doesn't belong to the bank. It belongs to God. And God will make ordinary circumstances produce supernatural results. Come in close because I want to pray for you right now. With your hands raised, I want you to get ready to make this declaration of faith with me. I want you to say this out loud. Father, Father today, today, I declare that I am your child. You are supernatural in every aspect. Everything you do is supernatural by definition. And because of that, because of that. I declare from this day forward, I'm stepping into the supernatural realm. Because you own this world and its resources. And I have an assignment. And that assignment is to give you glory. I'm calling forth my resources. Even in the middle of this desert I'm in right now, I'm commanding the rock. Release a river of, water. Release the river of water. I'm commanding rivers to flow. Resources to come. Manna from heaven. Angels food. I'm commanding it to come. And from this day forward, from this day forward I will be blessed in every aspect of my life. Everything I do will be blessed. But I'm going to be blessed for the, right yes, for the right reasons. Because my heart is in the right place. I will not only be blessed and enjoy my life. Enjoy my life. I will not only move to a higher level myself. Our but I'm going to bless the, bless the kingdom of God. I'm going to bring you glory. I declare it today. And I take that authority to make it happen. In Jesus' name. Somebody give God some praise right now. I've never seen the righteous forsake God or his children begging for bread. What Blessing is coming, blessing.